0: Leading up to today, that really has been my prayer for those of you who find yourselves watching this service right now, that that you would embrace this moment, slow down enough to hear the small, still voice of God, because as crazy as maybe outlandish as that sounds to you, I know God wants to speak to you today, that you would be still and embrace the peace that Jesus offers you. When you really think about it, there are very few moments in our lives where we give our undivided attention to anything or anyone. We, we live in a world of distraction, multitasking. When you slow down enough to really think about it, I'm guessing that your life is probably pretty similar to mine. It's, it's kind of psychotic, Right. Uh, In fact, one of the comments that my wife and I will kind of sarcastically throw back and forth to each other is, Isn't this nice? Let me kind of paint a picture for you. I'm cleaning up some toys in the living room. My wife is sitting on the couch with our youngest child, Oakley, clinging to her legs, bawling his eyes out for seemingly no reason. Uh, I just split our older two kids up from a fight over who gets to put the last pillow back on the couch. True story. So so now they're both losing their minds as well, crying because I said, Forget it. I'll do it. Just like, I'll, I'll take care of it. Just stop fighting. And now all three children are bawling their eyes out, Andrea and I's patience is wearing very, very thin, uh, if not completely gone by this point, and then all of a sudden we make eye contact and Andrea says to me, isn't this nice? C- can any of you maybe relate to that? I-, I don't think this is just a kid thing, a parenting thing, this is a life thing, it's nuts, it's nuts. It's chaos. And, and I just feel like I maybe need to get this off my chest and usually what follows a statement like that doesn't go particularly well for the person that says it. But I, but I think y'all will agree with me on this one. Can, can we please stop using COVID as the de facto excuse for anything that doesn't go well in our lives or in this world? It's like, oh my gosh, these gas prices are out of control. It cost me a hundred bucks to fill up the truck. What the heck? Ugh, freaking COVID. Or, oh my gosh, like when is our kid going to stop wetting the bed? Ah, COVID. The, the lions are horrible. I didn't think it was possible, but they might actually be getting worse. Ugh, COVID. I mean, come on, even at this point, COVID's getting a little defensive. It's like, okay, I might've gotten the whole world sick, but come on, that, that, that was already happening before I entered the picture. So what, what I'm going to ask all of you right now, what, what I want to invite you into right now is to be still, be, be completely present, uh, eliminate distractions, and And be open to what God may want to say to you today as as strange as that might sound to some of you. Because for some of you, you you don't really want to be watching this right now. Someone forced you into doing this. Somebody maybe bribed you or for others of you. This is sort of your like, I'm pretty sure that this is all a load, but just in case it's not, I better show up and at least watch a Christmas service. And and maybe that'll help my case if at the end of my life, I do end up meeting God face to face. Like, God, I I watch those Christmas services. We're, We're boys, Right? It's like an eternal life insurance policy. But but you're already here. You're already watching. So, so why not actually give this your undivided attention? But be still. Be open to, to what God may want to say to you. What do you have to lose? And I don't normally ask people to do something like this, especially at a service like this, where I know there are so many people who are watching who wouldn't necessarily wear the label of Christian or so many people that are new to this whole church thing. But I'm just going to ask all of you right now to kind of hold your hands out like this, wherever you're watching from, as a symbolic gesture to say, God, I'm open to hearing what it is that you want to say to me. So, So often, our physical posture can dictate our heart posture. So so, take a step physically and watch how your heart follows suit. And again, you're, you're already here. You don't really have anything to lose. So hold out those hands as a way to say, God, if, if you're out there, I'm open here on Christmas of 2021 to hearing what it is that you might want to say to me. So wherever you're watching from, go ahead and extend those hands like this right now as I pray for us. Heavenly Father, I'm confident uh, that you want to speak to every single person who's watching right now. I'm confident that if if we will soften our hearts and be open to what it is that you want to say to us, that you are going to speak. And so I pray, God, that this wouldn't just be another Christmas. I pray that those who have tuned in, who are watching right now, would would be open to listening to your small, still voice. Meet us in this spot right now. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Now, Now, when you think about it, uh, when you think all, about all that is the human experience and, and what human beings spend their time pursuing, m- much of our lives could be reduced to what we could kind of refer to as the pursuit of something different. I-, I know I'm not the only person that falls victim to this from time to time, but you're sitting on the couch and you're aimlessly scrolling through Netflix, through Hulu, you're just searching for something to watch because you don't want to spend just another night sitting on the couch, staring at your phone, watching something that really isn't even entertaining you. You're hoping to find that show, that movie that really stands out, that really is going to be different. Maybe you start feeling restless at your job, not, not because the pay has changed, not because the mission of the company has changed. In fact, it's actually remarkably consistent and predictable. And ironically, that predictability might be what is actually driving you nuts. And so you start looking for something different. Some of you think about this, you've broken off relationships because of this. He or she was honestly pretty great. Kind, humble, honestly really good to you, but, but it got boring, it got predictable, and so you started looking for someone different. And in these pursuits, what we're hoping for is that the grass is greener on the other side. We're not actually just pursuing something different, it's more than that. It's the pursuit of something better. It doesn't always work out this way, but it's definitely what we're hoping for. You hope the next guy isn't just Mr. Different, You want them to be Mr. Better. I mean, you spent $1,000 on a new phone, even though your old phone was working just fine, not just because you were hoping it was different, but better. You traded in your perfectly working vehicle and took on debt to buy the new one because you're hoping it will be better. This is the story of every single person watching right now. Yes, sometimes you're just trying something because it'll break up the monotony and be different, but deep down, we're hoping for something better. And here at Grum Law, we talk about this all the time, and this is a foundational thought that's so important that you get your head around, especially if you're new to this whole church thing. Jesus, Jesus doesn't just offer you different. He's inviting you, imploring you into something better. Following Jesus isn't just another choice and a sea of opportunities for you to try on. He's the better that you have been searching for, that every single one of us have been attempting to find. See, our our entire lives can be summed up as a hunt for, for joy, for purpose, for meaning, contentment. When you think about it, peace It would seem that whole peace for the entire world thing kind of sailed goodbye a long time ago, but we're just wondering if we can find some peace in our little corner here on this earth, peace in our own lives. And, And one of the facts that we have to come to grips with is that a good part of our angst, a good chunk of our lack of fulfillment, that absence of joy, the scarcity of peace in our lives is our own doing. It's actually our fault. See, every single one of us, we have this this nagging sin problem. In the beginning, God created us to be in perfect harmony, to live in perfect unity with him, and and all was well. It was nothing but joy and contentment and peace. But then we screwed that up. We we, we screwed it up when we sinned, when when we rebelled against God. God gave every single one of us a little something called free will, and each of us took advantage of it. And if that's hard for you to come to grips with, to wear that label as a, as a sinner, I'd just challenge you to give your life a quick examination right now. Come on, you do things all the time. We all do. Where we're almost immediately afterwards, you think to yourself, what is wrong with me? Why did I say that? Why did I do that? Well, what's my problem? What, what is wrong with me? And God would say, it's that nagging sin problem. And it's what's to blame for that lack of peace in your life. Isn't this just such an inspiring Christmas service? But, but, but this is the part of the story where it gets really good, I, I promise. At precisely this moment, God looked down into this mess of a world that we created for ourselves, devoid of peace. And, and rather than walking away, he got involved. He, he looked down and said, this is not what I had in mind for my kids. This was not my design for my most prized creation. And he rolled up his sleeves and he got to work fixing the mess that we created. This would be like, uh, let's say you just sent your oldest kid off to college. And uh, he unexpectedly returns home for the weekend. You didn't know he was coming, but uh, when he he gets home, you and and the spouse, you, you guys are still at work. You're still out and about. And so he returns home to this empty house. And for seemingly no reason, he walks inside And he starts destroying the house. He's ripping things off the walls. He's taking the refrigerator door and pulling it off. He's taking a sledgehammer and bashing it into the drywall. I mean, completely destroys the house like a pack of bears have moved in. And then in that moment, shortly after destroying everything, he pours gas all over it, flicks a match onto the gas and burns the place down. And as you pull back into the driveway to see your house literally burning to the ground, rather than screaming and scolding and, and let's be honest, disowning your child, you don't say a word. You make eye contact with your kid, give a head nod, and you roll up your sleeves and you just get to work rebuilding what He destroyed. God got to work cleaning up the mess restoring the peace in a way that none of us could have possibly predicted. What we're told in the book of Isaiah, which is a book that we find in the Old Testament, that first half of the Bible, there it's declared to us, for a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. But By the way, for those of you who are skeptical of this whole Christianity thing, it's probably worth noting that these words were written about 700 years before Jesus ever stepped foot onto the earth. So God got to work cleaning up the mess we created by giving us his one and his only son. And, and I'm about to bleed a, a little bit into the Easter territory, but after living a pretty short life on this earth, about 30 years, God would eventually allow his one and his only son to be brutally murdered on a cross as the once and for all payment for our collective sin problem. And three days after being shoved into a grave, he came strolling out, alive and well. And he conquered death. He conquered your sin problem, my sin problem, And now, by simply placing our faith in him, by placing our trust in him, we can have that right standing with God restored. Easter celebrates the victory over death and sin in our lives, but Christmas celebrates the arrival of peace on earth. There's a guy that we read in an awful lot about in this uh, book that we call the Bible uh, as he goes by the name of Paul. In fact, he wrote better than half of the New Testament, that second half of the Bible, through a series of letters that he penned to the early Christian churches uh, that were popping up all over the ancient Mediterranean world. Now, what's really interesting about Paul is that at one point, he was the greatest adversary to Christianity. He was doing everything to halt Christianity in its tracks, But then through a series of events that only God could have possibly orchestrated, he goes from, you know, trying to condemn and get rid of Christianity to now being on the front line spreading the name of Jesus everywhere he went. He had received this peace. He had put his faith in Jesus, and it completely transformed his life. He put his faith in Jesus just like you have the opportunity to do. And and as such, it led him to pen these words to the early Christian church in Rome. There he says, our faith in Jesus transfers God's righteousness to us. That word righteousness means we get that right standing back with God that we originally had before we screwed it up by sinning. So it's restored to us. That right standing is back and now he declares us flawless in his eyes. God no longer sees your sin. It's gone. It is no longer held against you. That this means we can now enjoy true and lasting peace with God. Because that that righteousness has been restored. Because he no longer sees your sin. Because of that, you can now experience peace on this earth and forevermore. All because of what our Lord Jesus, the anointed one, has done for us. Not because of anything that you have done, but because of what Jesus did for you. And right here is where where so many people like me, pastors, people that do this for a living, have led people like you watching astray. You get this false impression because passages like this are taken out of context. And you're led to believe that by embracing Jesus, you're also getting a life that is devoid of conflict. It's all peace all the time. And it takes all of about, oh, 30 minutes for you to figure out that's not the case. And so you abandon this no sooner than you thought that you embraced it. Remember, Jesus himself tells us I leave the gift of peace with you, my peace. Not the kind of fragile peace given by the world, but my perfect peace. Don't yield to fear or be troubled in your hearts. Instead, be courageous, he implores us. The, the, the world offers us all these different versions of peace. More stuff, a bigger house, a different career, money. And, and, and Jesus right here is pointing out what what. Every single one of you actually know to be true. That stuff is fragile at best. Cheap alternatives compared to what he offers. He's going, yeah, sure, those are different options, but come on, you and I both know they're going to fall short. And Jesus is saying, come on, I'm inviting you into something better. He created you, so I assure you he knows you. He loves you. And he proved it when he gave himself for you. And now he invites you into relationship (laughs) that's going to be so much better for you. So don't miss this. This is so important. Jesus never promised that life with him is a life free of storms. No, Jesus promises to be the peace in the midst of the storm. We we can be courageous, as Jesus mentions right here, because our hope isn't attached to the circumstances of this life. Our hope is attached to the one who came down and conquered death. The battle has already been won. That is the perfect peace that Jesus is talking about. That's the perfect peace that you are being invited into. As a child, I was, uh, I was horrible at video games. I, I just, like, couldn't figure it out. It's just, like, I don't know, just never been really my thing. But every once in a while, I would still play them. And, and especially in, like, those role-playing games where you had to, like, complete some mission. I, I would die within, like, 30 seconds of, like, walking into the mission. A car would hit me. You know, one of the bad guys would come out of nowhere and shoot me. And, and I couldn't handle losing because I'm a pretty competitive guy. And so what I would do is I would go online and I would find cheat codes. I'd find cheat codes so that my character was invincible. didn't matter how many times I got hit by a car. didn't matter how many different people shot me. It didn't matter. My character was invincible. My character could not be defeated. That is life with Jesus. He is this living, breathing cheat code who's already won the battle. He already conquered your sin. He already conquered death. I'd be willing to bet that every single person watching right now, You've met people like this, that, that, that in the midst of the storms of life, there's just this, this, this steadiness, that this calm, this peace. In fact, it, it might be a person like this that actually drove you to even give all of this a shot this Christmas. A, a person that in the midst of the storms of life had such a peace about them that, that it kind of rocked you to your core. Because they got the diagnosis. They experienced the trauma. That their kid rebelled, and yet, peace. It, it caused you to lean in and think, I, I want whatever that person has. But because that, <laughs> that seems to be a whole lot better than whatever I'm working with. In the ancient Roman establishment, the, the world that Jesus arrived into, the, the emperors and his officials would often proclaim what they called euangelions. Euangelion, which is a Greek term that means good news. And our world is constantly delivering to us its version of euangelion. CNN in the left has its good news. Fox in the right has its good news. TikTok has its good news. Your Twitter feed has its good news. But, but this good news is usually only good news for just some people. In ancient Rome, it was usually only good news if you were a Roman citizen. And even if it is good news for you or it appears so to be on the surface, it typically doesn't hold up as good news for very long. It's temporary. It's cheap. It proves to be fraudulent in that way. But, but when God proclaimed good news by an angelic messenger to a band of shepherds some 2,000 years ago, it wasn't just good news for some people. Come on, the truth is, is that some of you who are watching right now you don't feel like you've heard a piece of good news in a really long time. And I'm here to tell you today that Jesus is, is that good news for all people, for you. That, that good news that, that you've been looking for. That good news, that, that peace that your soul is yearning for. And, and that peace that, that we all yearn for, Jesus, he's not distant. He's near. God wants you to experience his peace. It's, it's why he sent us his son. It's precisely why he gave us Jesus. He, he wanted to make it really, really obvious. The very thing that you're clamoring and searching for, peace on this earth, already arrived in a manger. Some two thousand years ago.